Hello and welcome to the Hoop Troop Podcast. I am Matt O'Connor and joining me as they will on all of our episodes are my cousin Luke Drobner. What's up guys? And my brother Mike O'Connor. What is up? Uh, And it has been a while since we have last spoken. It's been about a month. Uh, We left off right before the playoffs started and my God, so much has happened. From the playing game with, with the Blazers to two rounds of the playoffs, four game sevens, a Mike Breen double bang, Steve Javi agreeing to every call on the floor, the Nets hiring a new head coach, several ho- head coaches getting fired. It's honestly, I don't even know where to start. There's so much that happened. Uh, and it's all led us here to, to two awesome conference finals games, uh, the Celtics and the Heat in the East and the Nuggets and the Lakers in the West. I do want to talk a lot about those because they're super interesting. Uh, but I think, you know, we owe everyone here and ourselves really uh, the opportunity to talk about everything that has transpired because, I mean, there have been some incredible happenings in the NBA. Luke, you're, I can see you nodding along right now. You know exactly where I'm going with this. First and foremost, the Clippers. We're, we are not getting battle LA. They absolutely choked a 3-1 lead against the Nuggets in the second round of the playoffs. Luke, I want you to start here. What are your takeaways from that series? I mean, the whole time I was saying Clippers in six. <laughs> I mean, so like, I, kept, I kept watching them thinking that, like, every time they're up big, I'm like, okay, like, the Clippers are going to take over. They're going to put the nail in the coffin. And they just didn't. They had they I, huge leads in games five, six, and seven. It I kind of wish I had counted the number of times I texted you guys clips and six. Because <laughs> I, I think know, I sent it a like a hundred times, maybe. But it's so true because. I, I've never been rooting for the Nuggets as hard as I was rooting for the Nuggets in this series. And I was not kidding. My fun fact is the Nuggets were down 19 or double digits before I'd go to bed. And I would just turn the game off and wake up the next day because I knew I would wake up to a Nuggets win. It was insane. If you want the Lakers to win, you got to stay up tonight. That's true. We're recording that for the, for the record, we're recording this Friday night uh, before the Western Conference Finals game. So yeah, Michael, you might you might want to stay up for that one if you want LeBron to get to his his fourth ring for sure. But yeah, I think the Clippers, Luke, you were about to talk a lot. Yeah, no. So just like the 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 way the Clippers went out is it was so pathetic. Pathetic. It, it's not pathetic. It's it's like bittersweet because I I want Battle LA. I want there to be like this amazing series in the Western Conference Finals. We put everybody who kind of wanted it. You know, LeBron, Kawhi matchup but i'm a nuggets fan like I, I like the nuggets i root for Jokic, i root for murray but the whole time i was like it's going to be the clippers it's going to be the clippers and then they, the nuggets won so i'm happy and you know so, it's great but and also it's a heartbreaking team like i said earlier in the year it's like every time i watch this team they're down at half and then they come back and win like nothing like this is their identity this is this is who they are they're, they're, they're the underdogs and they always seem you to know, make it out it's the most like I swear to God, the, like, I'm having heart attacks watching the Denver Nuggets sometimes. But, like. So, yeah, I mean, they, they – and we'll get to them a little bit when we look at the Western Conference Finals. But, yeah, they came back from 3-1 down in two series, the first time that's ever been done in NBA history in the playoffs to do that. The run they're on is pretty remarkable, especially when you consider their opponents. Obviously, the Jazz, not so much. But the Clippers, everyone went into the season saying that they were a favorite. This whole time, everyone – all these projections are indicating that they were the favorite to win the championship this year. And then, truly, watching the second half of Game 7, when Kawhi and Paul George combined for, what, five points in the second half? Zero in the fourth quarter? Abysmal. It was 
honestly, the only thing I like, I keep saying it was pathetic. They rolled over and died. Doc Rivers, a great coach, he has blown a three-one lead every four times of coaching. Yep, he is. Yeah, he's the three-one king. I guess I don't know, but like, I don't, I don't know what else they could have done other than had better chemistry because that's it was apparent. Like they just were not clicking. Uh, I think Harrell and Lou Williams, each in their own right, looked terrible defensively. And the Nuggets were just attacking them whenever they were on the floor. And, like, as much, you can kind of pick apart every individual player on this team. And it's like, no one showed up in these. They went up 3-1, and they just coasted. They thought they had it. And anytime they went up, they just didn't put it away. It was it was maddening to me. Yeah, definitely. And I, I, thought, I thought definitely the, the lack of chemistry was revealing. It was that way the whole season. And I think a reason, and I, I feel like we're, we try to be an unbiased podcast because we just like basketball so much, but I felt like the Clippers went through the whole season with the fact that they got Kawhi and Paul George to come, that the people from last season were walking around like they had already – it felt like the Clippers had, were walking around like they had already accomplished something and that they were the best team in L.A. better than LeBron. And I was just like, this isn't true. Like, none of these people have, besides Kawhi, have proven anything. And I, I think that's – Evidenced by the Twitter frenzy after they blew the three-one lead, led in part by every oh the Trailblazers had the Trailblazers, a field day Dame, on them. Dame and CJ went off, and it's not just them. Everyone was going off on the Clippers, but Everybody's players around the league were thrilled to see this team lose. And I think it it speaks to that because they did. They had a chip on their shoulder for no real reason, and now they have to do a lot of soul searching because I don't think they blow it up. I think they're going to come back and try and win again next year, but. Kawhi can walk after next year, and I he does. Wasn't they the gave... point? Wasn't the point that they had two years together, right? Kind yeah. of like they had two years well, to figure it out. I, I think it was also like they had two years, but they'll probably re up and go. If it absolutely capsizes, if if they aren't able to to right the ship, I could. Why wouldn't Kawhi go leave in twenty twenty one in the loaded free agent class and maybe try and find another situation out somewhere? I, just, I mean, I I expect a lot from Kawhi. Right. And yes, I don't know how much Kawhi really comes out and says it or talks about it, but he he kind of gives me the sense that he wants to be considered as a top five player in the league. He wants to be in a conversation with LeBron and Giannis and I guess Luka Doncic going forward. But uh, like if you're going to come back and be the same player every year, you can't be considered a top five guy. LeBron's 35 and every time he, he comes back every year and something's better about his game. He always improves himself. So if Kawhi wants to be one of those guys, I need to see Kawhi do something next year that you just say like, wow, like this, this guy's really taking it to another level. He's really not kidding around. So, yeah. And I mean, I think him not scoring in the fourth quarter of that game is it's damning to his resume as, as carried whatever he carried the Raptors. He won the Spurs with like, it's very different. I think one thing I said to you guys was, this is the most pressure he's had on him individually to go win. Like as much as him on the Raptors, it was like, oh, this could be a fun thing. They could go win. But there was always like, oh, the Warriors with Kevin Durant, like that was always facing them at the end of the road. And I think everyone expected them to win. And they kind of right. not fell into it. They earned it. But it was never like, oh, it's championship or bust for them. And I think now it, it was for this Clippers team. And they did not live up to it. Whereas, you know, you can look at, whether it's the Lakers or, you know, even the, the way the Celtics and the Heat are playing, it's like they wanted it more than this Clippers team clearly did. But I, I, I don't think it's exclusively fair to look at the Clippers' shortcomings because they're not the only favorite 
that kind of crumbled in the second round. If you look at the Eastern Conference, the top two seeds in the Bucks and the Raptors both both lost. Granted, the Raptors lost in seven games, but both of them went down. One of them more predictably than the other. I just think that it's, I don't know if it's the bubble or what. Why are these promising title favorites going down so early? Well, the Raptors didn't, are like, say it, Luke. Difference, the difference between the Celtics and the Raptors is like is nothing. They're the same same type of team, great coaching, great talent. You didn't really expect the Raptors to be much better than the Celtics. In, in fact, I think most people actually predicted the Celtics See, to move on past the Raptors. I didn't. I th- I would have figured, you know, they've been there before. They've kind of accomplished all that. I thought Siakam was going to take this big step. They looked good in the first round. Uh, I thought they weren't going to do what they did. Um, and basically, I mean, honestly, it went seven games. Realistically, without an OG and an OB shot, that could have been a much shorter series. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I, I look at how poorly Siakam, Fred Van Vliet, Marcus Saul, like all these guys played in this series. And it's, it was shocking because they really did not look like that all season. They didn't look like that in the restart. I, I just thought it was crazy. And it's no knock on the Celtics. They're good in their own right. But I, I didn't really think they – I thought it would have been Raptors in six. No. See, I, I tend to agree with Luke that I thought the two and the three here could have been interchangeable. These two teams were almost the same. I mean, you could argue the Raptors are a more complete team just in terms of, like, the personnel on hand. <laughs> but I thought the Celtics would win. And I think that has something to do with the fact that it's harsh on Siakam. And, yeah, he got second team All-NBA, but – I don't think he can. I don't, as of right now, as far as what I've seen, I don't think he's the go to guy on that team, which is insane. The go to guys on the team during that series were Kyle Lowry and Van Vliet, which can't be the case. Like, you need your star guy. You need your, you need your star guy to not only have a back to the rim turnaround as his move, if that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think it was clear Siakam needs to work on his ball handling. Yeah. I mean, he has a few moves, and they're predictable. And I think the Celtics saw right through it. They have, they also do have a, a pretty good lineup to handle him because while he does play the four, he's not necessarily a traditional four that's, like, stronger and bulkier. He is more of a new era power forward that I think a Tatum can guard. You could, if, you know, in a pinch, you could put Tice on him. You can make switches. A Marcus Smart can guard him. Like, they can be a little more versatile there. And I just think it didn't match up properly. And, you know, props to the Celtics for exploiting that and advancing the next round. I never thought that the Raptors would have beat the Celtics. And I'm looking at the scores right now. Game one was an 18-point Boston win. Then the Boston wins game two by three. Raptors win game three by one. That's Raptors the, the Ananobi shot, too. That's the yeah. game winner in double overtime. Toronto Raptors win game five by seven. Or game four by seven. Game five was a Celtics big win, 22 points. And then a double overtime for game six. Uh, Raptors won by three. And then a five-point Celtics win. All the games were close, except when Boston won by a lot. Right. So I, I, Toronto's a great team, and they can compete with a lot of teams in a seven-game series. But I don't think they have the star power. Like you said, Siakam needed to take this big step. I didn't think Siakam was going to take that step. I, I think he's a great player. I don't know if he's a number one option superstar. I kind of want to – you need like a score-heavy, score-first guard on that team. Like a, I would love to see like a Karis LeVert on that team or something like that, you know? 
I think it's worth noting he's only 25. Like, I think he can still develop these elements to his game. Like, is he going to be this prolific all-time great? Probably not. But can he be your second or third star that goes and wins the championship? Yeah, he did it last year. So I do think that the potential is there, and that's why I probably had the higher expectations than either of you did. Um, but I, I do think, even the way we're having this conversation about that series, it's a, kind of an excusable loss looking at who they played and the way they played them. Looking at the Bucks, the Bucks loss isn't to me. The Bucks loss is not, it's inexcusable to me. They were, yeah. them and the Clippers were the finals favorites, and they lost in the second I, I read an article about it, and it's because the Bucks play a, the Bucks match up terribly with the Heat scheme-wise. The mm-hmm. Bucks want to try and protect the paint, and they let teams just jack threes up all day and say, you're not going to beat us on the three-point line. And the Bucks are a great three-point shooting team. They got guys like George Hill, Chris Middleton, and Giannis creates all this space for them. They have um, DiVincenzo and Connaughton. They have a lot of shooters. Corver. Corver, yeah. So, I mean, the, the Bucks were just kind of hoping they didn't face a team with a bunch of elite shooters, and that's what the Heat is. Like, they have Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and Kelly Olynyk and Jay Crowder. And they oh, have four Lord. guys. They have four guys shooting 40% from three, Insane. and the Bucks let them shoot threes. Why would you ever do that, right? And that's why they got crushed like that because they literally let the best three-point shooting team shoot threes. And are you ready for this? This is just what I think about what I watched. (laughs) Well, Jimmy Butler, I'm going to – because I know we're going to talk about the the conference finals later, and I'm pumped about that because I'm high (laughs) on Jimmy Butler. But um, I think the Bucs, besides Giannis, are worse than the Celtics, the Raptors – Celtics and the Raptors. I so, think their team is bad. Yeah, I think the bad their is, team is if not. You, good. If you strip Giannis from that team, and maybe it is to his credit why he is now a back-to-back MVP and Defensive Player of the Year, like he does amplify that team dramatically. But when you smother him, like these teams have in this playoff, uh, it's very apparent that Chris Middleton's not going to. I mean, he did. Granted, when they won a game, win one. Yeah, and a lot of that was Middleton, but again. He won you one, I but then that's it. Like, I, it's that not was the, that was the elimination game, and I, I think it's and, hard to beat a team facing elimination. I think. Yeah, it is. But and, in that in that game, Giannis did get hurt. Then Giannis didn't play the following game where they lost and got eliminated. But people have been making this comparison to the dynasty Lakers with Shaq and Kobe. That Shaq's skill set is kind of like Giannis's, where he can take over games. He's dominant the whole time, but he he was never the shooter. He wasn't the down the stretch we need this huge bucket, like contact to the lane type of thing. And if they understand and Giannis understands that that's who he is, it doesn't mean he's not the best player in the league, but they need that other shot creator and play creator like a Kobe. And they're expecting Middleton. They're expecting Middleton to be that. And that's not the case at all. Again, his $178 million contract is the one of the worst contracts in the league in my opinion. He can he can be a third option. Like he can absolutely be part of a of a triple of the triple header. If you Are you giving him, your third option the max? No, obviously yeah. in an ideal world not. But like you still could. I like he could conceivably be your Bosch on your Miami. I would like to see what would have happened if they kept Brogdon. I think if they were able to put Brogdon on the floor instead of Bledsoe, some things might have been different. I mean, I think it's like, it just stinks. It's a small market. They can't pay the luxury tax, even though. It sounds like Giannis just met with their ownership and they claim that they will to try and make him happy. Giannis is going to leave. He's unhappy. 
it's pretty apparent if they are unable to truly win the championship next year. Like I don't I don't see him staying. Maybe maybe I'm wrong, but I doubt it because I do. I think this exit just showed that what the Bucks as an organization are able to do financially to surround him with pieces that are capable of winning a championship. While this Bucks team, like, yeah, Brooke Lopez, very good in his own right. Probably was a good fit around Giannis. Strip Giannis from w- what he does, and Brooke Lopez fades. It's nothing. Yeah. He fades. Like, he was kind of doing catch-and-shoot threes, and every once in a while he'd go and do something inside like he used to do when he was a net. But it's not, not enough. I think Giannis just needs, like, I just, I mean, I'm repeating what I said, but I think they, they just need a big two. You can get a functional team around a big, an actual big two, not the Middleton Giannis big two. But I think it's like so. looking at what the Lakers are doing right now. I mean, I think he can be the Anthony Davis to a LeBron. For sure. Like, he I can think be, it would uh, be. I think it would be insane if he went to Miami. I think a Jimmy Butler Giannis combo would be crazy. But then kind of like, how do you fit Bam in there? So. Right. Right. No, I, I do. I think. I don't know. I, I think that there are a lot of questions now in this offseason for this Bucks team to see how you can try and convince him with this last year to stay. What pieces can you move around? What can you surround him with? That's going to be convincing that, and hey, I'm gonna be Milwaukee's wrong. the place to win. And I'm going to be wrong about this because I was wrong about putting Paul George in my top 10 <laughs> after playoff B. I was wrong. Pandemic uh, P, baby, let's go. <laughs> At least so, admit so it. I'll just continue with my probably wrong when we play this back but if i were middleton i wouldn't get too comfortable <laughs> i think that there could be a trade there i mean and, contract is so expensive it's i don't know what team but, would want to take that on but he's also good and it, you're gonna get him for a couple years so like i saw the, i saw Nick, some chris paul rumors but apparently they <laughs> they uh, back chris they, Middleton for bradley beal would you do that if you're washington no and, and i, I wouldn't and I won't get down the rabbit hole with trades. A similar team that you could kind of get down the rabbit hole with, but just shocking to me was a sweep of the Sixers. I thought I, we're just we're in the Eastern Conference. I figured, yeah, we'll might as well it. look on them. Yeah, and this is same Embiid. Embiid I, is not happy. In our last episode, I talked about how I could see them advancing. Like I would not be uh, like shocked if they made it to the Conference Finals. Finals if they just got hot, they shortened their rotation, and you know what? I'm eating my words. I've been getting fun of that like the entire time um i gotta say Embiid fizzled he just did not do what he needed to do if no one like he was the way he was going up and down the court his body language was toxic to everyone around him. He, does, he does not want to be there no no and again like uh, i will absolutely i'll give the celtics credit again they did that to that sixers team like they really took it to them swept them um but i do i think you know, there's a reason Brett Brown just got fired, and I don't think that's the last of it. I think that there's going to be a lot that happens um, with this team they before the end of next to, season. They have to move some. Like, I don't care who it is. In my at this point, it's like it kind of has to be Embiid. You know, like at least Simmons hasn't shown some type of attitude issue. Right. So you kind of get rid of Embiid. You try and build something with Harris, Simmons, and Horford. You know, grab some shooting in a trade with Embiid, but I mean, it's it, like they really don't have anywhere to go. They kind of have to deal with what they have and make the best of it. I which, mean, I mean, like they have a lot of player assets, but I mean, the situations are different um, between obviously the Clippers, but the energy thing when you like it was hard to watch the Sixers Celtics series, not just because it was a sweep, 
but the energy of the people, it was just a strange thing to watch. And it just contributes to, even though the free agency class isn't amazing, this offseason is going to be one of the more interesting ones. And I think a lot of teams are going to look so different. Um, yeah. And a lot of teams are in big, I just feel like big trouble unless they turn some things around like Houston. I've kind of swing yeah. this around, but I mean, I think there's, I, I think there's something to be said. And like, I, I think that looking at the way some of these series went, like the, the Sixers, they didn't have Simmons. So, you know, maybe they don't get swept, but I think they still lose in the first round there, even with him. And I do think that that raises some, some eyebrows. And so maybe they, uh, the rumors are Tyler was probably going to be their head coach. Who, who really knows who comes in? I saw, um, I saw a Lou Williams trade rumor on Twitter today. Yeah. I mean, they're going to, uh, yeah. they're going to have to try and figure something out. But I would imagine that you have to move some pieces there or else you're going to be stuck. Like, I, I really do believe that, especially no one is going to take on that Horford contract. Tobias Harris's contract is not team friendly either. You might be you'd have a better chance of moving him if you wanted to. But like, I just generally think that this got to be in, they're in financial no man's land. They're in trouble. It's got to be Embiid, unfortunately. And I going back, I've always said that he's the one you should keep. But right now all sides point to trading and beat. And it, it doesn't have to do with like a team or a scheme fit or anything like that. I think it has to do with the fact that he just doesn't want to be there anymore. Like I, like you can't keep that in your locker room. It's not good for it. No, no, you're right. It's not right. And so looking at the difference between having an attitude fit issue versus a personnel fit issue, Michael, like you said, let's look at the Rockets who just lost four to one to the Lakers after kind of punching them in the nose and winning the first game of that series. What are our takeaways from the small ball experiment in the playoffs, other than Daniel House needing a little more control uh, in the bubble and not necessarily breaking <laughs> quality? He probably, he probably wouldn't won in that game five, too. You know, Daniel House is such a great player. If you no, just... but I, I do think it alters your rotations. You probably play Jeff Green less, less minutes, maybe. I, I don't know. Like They were going to win anyway, but still, like – there are some very negative takeaways from the Rockets. Totally, yeah. Westbrook it, is it's sad. Is a disaster. Yeah, I Westbrook is not good. <laughs> he's not. <laughs> and look, he had COVID. He did not play in any of the eight seeding games or the beginning of the Thunder series. He had that hamstring injury, which does nag players, and especially someone who is so explosive and rely on that, like. Maybe it was rust. Like, maybe there's a legitimate chance that he just truly was not himself there, which people have said being in that bubble was not a a friendly environment for the players. Like, Paul George said that he had mental health issues, was not himself. Other players said all these things. Not that it's mental health for Russell Westbrook, but I do no, think that I there's mean, something to be said about being stuck there, and maybe you're not you. Maybe it was just this wasn't the year. You re-up and you try again, and maybe it works. But – I don't, I don't think, think so. it's. I don't think that's the situation. And like all these mental health issues the players talked about and how it's so player unfriendly, they all just miss their side hose. They're all like, "Oh man, <laughs> I have to hang out with here with me and the boys. It's so hard. Like, you know, where my hose at?" And so that's easy for you to say, Luke. You you weren't in the bubble without all your side hose. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, me, and, me and all the ladies out here in Seattle, dog, I kill it. So, yep. <laughs> uh, Microsoft. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I mean, uh, like Westbrook, obviously Russ has to do a lot of things. Like you said, he deal with the hamstring injuries. I talked a lot about being in shape for the games. I think it was, I think it's really hard. Like playing a forty-eight minute basketball game on an NBA level is challenging physically. Just like getting up and down the court, grabbing rebounds, things like that. And that's what Westbrook did for them, right? 
he was all about hustle and the fact that he wasn't in shape to give it 110% literally all the time like you know he can probably did play a little bit of a factor in it. But it doesn't change the fact that he's a terrible shooter. And I mean, just, like, what do you where do you put him on the floor? It's in intense. That? It's intense because could you imagine going from his MVP season to not even a Laker guarding him on the floor? No one. His, like, that's what they his, were doing. They were like, "There's other people we should his, be guarding." His defender was in the paint while he's on the three. Uh, it's so here's, insane. Here's the thing, and. The Rockets, as constructed, did not work. And it's largely in part of due to Russell Westbrook. I think small ball could work if you had a point guard who could shoot and Harden was allowed to actually penetrate without having three defenders collapse on him in the paint. But I think the way they tried to do this, like, I think, say the Chris Paul trade never happens. And you try and do this exact same small ball experiment, just sub in Chris Paul for, and I know Harden and uh, Chris Paul don't like each other, whatever, like, having a guard who can shoot and also facilitate, get into the paint, kick out, similar to Westbrook, just literally able to shoot, I think makes a world of difference. I think they need like a wing who can dribble and play make a little bit. I think bringing in another guard-like player on the starting lineup for them would be wrong. I think they should be reserving guys like Austin Rivers off the bench to replace Harden. When Harden needs to come off the floor for the eight minutes he's getting rest, you should put in your one backup guard. Everybody else on that team should just be guys who are like 6'4 to 6'8 who can all dribble and shoot, and then maybe you have a center. Andre Drummond's a free agent, and in my opinion, I think he should be their biggest target. And that's because I think it would be better if they had a center. Like, think about, like, Westbrook's 6'4, you can't put him in a dunker spot. But if you have Drummond out there, at least you can move him into the dunker spot. And then, yeah, you get three defenders collapsing on James Harden. He can throw a lob or something like that. Or he kicks out. It gives you more options. What's evident is that you're saying small ball is dead. Because by bringing in Drummond, who literally is one of the worst shooters. Small ball is something you have to build up from the ground up. I don't think it's something you can do where it's like, I just pull together a whole bunch of vet minimums and hope it works works out. Well, I really, like, if you thing. want to play I, small ball, you really need to build. I don't. I don't think they built this roster correctly for small ball to thrive. I think that small ball can also thrive. think small ball did thrive. Take my, you can reject this if you want. The Hamptons five was small ball. I know Durant yeah. is seven feet, but he is not it's a big ball. man. That's mm-hmm. small ball. So it already thrived. But that, like Luke said, you, you can't just mid season dump your big men and say like, we're trying this. It was right. just right. never going to work. Especially if like PJ Tucker, he's amazing. He's awesome. He he can't be your third most dynamic guy, maybe fourth most with Eric Gordon. Like it just wasn't it wasn't he's, gonna work. He's he's that guy. Yeah, like I kind of feel the same way a little bit about Siakam, but less like I put more offensively on Siakam than I would Tucker. It's kind of like he's just kind of there to play defense, and when he does get his open corner three, he should shoot it. Yeah, but PJ Tucker shouldn't be doing anything else other than guarding everybody and shooting corner threes. With that being said, you need other ball handlers who can play off the ball. You're going to put the ball in Harden's hand. All you really need is just guys who can catch, pump fake, and then like take a drive and make a good decision. Daniel House played so well, and that's all he was doing. It was like Harden would kick it to him in the corner. He would try and make a, his defender miss, and then he just continued to move the ball and try and get a good shot. So it works, but it's something you have to put a year or two years investment into. It's not something you can just pick up and be ready for Right. Yeah, which is why I think the Rockets should 
I don't think they're going to do anything major. I have a feeling that we'll see both Russ and Harden on the team again. 100%. Um, I'm, I don't I'm know if Russ's contract can get moved. No. And I think, I don't know if James Harden is just saying this for the sake of getting the media away from him, but he was like, I think we are truly one piece away. And if he means that, then I think the Rockets will make something work. I mean, uh, it could. If you really think about it, like, if they just have a more dynamic score out there with Harden instead of Westbrook, like, it, it could make a huge difference. Yeah. So that will be interesting. I do think we've spent enough time now looking at On those some playoff shortcomings. Let's transition here and start looking at what's to come, what's kind of already happened. Let's start with the Eastern Conference Final, the Celtics, the Heat. They've already played two games. As I said, we're recording this on Friday afternoon. The Heat have a 2-0 lead. Granted, one of them was an overtime win that was down, truly down to the wire. Same block. Yeah, an unbelievable BAM block. Um, and the second game, the, the Celtics had a big lead, blew it in the second half because the Heat broke out some zone, uh, and they just kind of fell apart. What do you think of these first two games, and where do you think the remaining two to five go? Mike, you want to start with that? I think the Heat will win the series in five, and I think they're going to lose tomorrow. And then they're going to win the next two is what I think is going to happen. I think the Heat, it's so bizarre to say this, but I think even though they were the five seed, they're peaking at the right time and they are tailor-made for matchups against every team they've played in the playoffs, I find. I, I just think almost at every position, they're able to handle whoever they're guarding. And another masterful thing that they're doing is the zone against the Celtics. The Celtics lost when they went to zone yesterday. They're They're well-coached. They just have really athletic, young, hungry people with this weird combo of veterans. People, it's, I feel like it's not going to be talked about a lot, but it should. How monumental that Memphis trade was to bring Iguodala and Jay Crowder there. You would never think. Jay Crowder's been moving around and honestly has been ass in some places he's gone. In Cleveland with LeBron. He was terrible. terrible. But it's just crazy. They're all clicking um, and then Jimmy Butler, as your, I'm going to call him quote unquote star. I saw a tweet that said he's acting like a closer in baseball. Like he comes in to just finish mm-hmm. the game. Awesome. He scored 14 points last game. Yeah, it's crazy. He only had 14. But he had those huge points down the street. It's just nuts. And right. he gets to the rim. He's just a bulldog. Yeah. I mean, he is so hungry for this. He is just a ball of energy defensively. And I think everyone feeds off of it. I think even players like, look at what Goran Dragic is doing. Like he is, not that his career was dead, but. He's absolutely giving himself more national headway, and I think he'll get himself another contract because he's a free agent after this year. From correct, I mean, he's been unbelievable. He was he was good when he played for Phoenix, like uh, I don't know, a couple of years ago, four or five years ago. He was really good there. He's averaging like 16, 18 points a game, and I think it was like five or six assists. So mm-hmm. he's he's not a bad player. He's never been a bad player, but the fact that he's playing at an all time great in his career right now is. Huge for the Rockets. Insane, yeah. For the for the Heat, for the Heat, yeah. <laughs> I don't know why I'm saying Rockets. Uh, it, it's because you're just so fixated on the. the... I'm, still think, I'm still thinking about small ball. I'm like, yeah. why don't you just get a center? <laughs> um, no, I I think that this series, every game is going to come down to the last minute. Like, I really do think these teams are very equal, and I think that at some point some Celtics are going to make some shots. And it sounds like, and now I'm not expecting him to do much in this series because he's been out for a month. 
They're going to get Gordon Hayward back probably for game three. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there, like, it, it helps your depth, depth a little bit more. You probably don't need Grant Williams coming in as much as he has been. Like, I think they, they can make some adjustments that will make a difference defensively against the Heat that could benefit them. Like, I think Hayward is a better perimeter defender that you can throw in there that I just think that it's small adjustments that when it comes down to that last minute, the Celtics are going to be able to pluck a few games. I think this is going six or seven. Um, I do probably think the Heat win. I think being up 2-0 is Huge. hard to come back from. Uh, I think that was a must win for the Celtics last night, and they weren't able to do it. So uh, we'll see. But again, maybe I'm just blind and kind of looking at this, how I was looking at the Raptors, and that I think they deserve more credit than these first two games really give them. Um, but who knows? I mean, it sounds like after the game last night, there was some screaming yeah. going on with Marcus Smart in the locker room. But I didn't, I didn't agree with that at all. I think it's watching the end of that game. Like, it was very clear to me that the Heat were going to win that game. Yep. The last five minutes of that game, like, I was very, very confident the Heat were going to win. And that's because just like looking how the Heat were playing and how the Celtics were playing, the Celtics looked like lazy. They didn't really care. And the Heat were out here grabbing every loose ball and they were fighting for rebounds. And, and the Celtics were like, hey, like we'll win maybe, you know? And like, that's not how you go about these games. You really need to like fight and claw, especially against a team like the Heat. The One of the last plays, Jimmy Butler deflected a pass and then threw it back in bounds. And the Heat had a nice easy break for an easy bucket when they were, when the Celtics were up by like four with two minutes to go. Close, yeah. And Kemba Walker was the only person, only person on the Celtics to get back. No one else hustled back. And Marcus Smart wants to yell and cry about it in the locker room. He's not getting, he's not hustling back to get and play defense. When so he's here's, to here's, you know, here's the thing that I look at this for is that you have a, a predominantly younger team who other than Marcus Smart and a couple of these guys, like, they went to the conference finals that that time with Isaiah Thomas. They went to game seven with LeBron. Like, not everyone has this experience in the playoffs. And I think Marcus Smart kind of has to be that voice. Whether or not, fine. Maybe on that last play, he's not there. But who else is really going to be the one to hold everyone accountable and say, hey, like, Kemba. we Kemba have Walker. Kemba hasn't gotten past the first round. Like, it doesn't this matter. Is he's, he's, a gone. 30, he's, the, he's a 30-year-old vet. He, I also think you know, there's just a difference. He's hit big shots in his career before. I, I honestly think Kemba Walker should look Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and all these guys like straight in the face and just be like, I want this more than you. And if you're not with it, like, like I don't want to play with you. You better pick your stuff up. So I think Kemba is just too nice of a person is the, the understanding I get just from watching basketball all these years and, you know, all these interviews, everything hey. from him. I just don't think he is that guy. As dominant as he is, like cardiac Kemba, he has hit some clutch shots, made some incredible plays down the stretch in games throughout this playoff run. I don't think he is that voice. And like sooner or later, it's going to be Tatum. It's going to be Jalen Brown. And I think that's why Jalen Brown was butting heads with Marcus Smart. I just think that someone needs to get these guys fired up because they didn't have it in the second half of this last game. They just didn't. And so facilitating this conversation, even if it starts with a little friction, I think is exactly what the Celtics need. I do think they'll bounce back a little bit. Will they win? Probably not. They just need fire. Like I just yeah. like, they need, like if they want to beat this Heat team, they have to outplay this Heat. And if you think about the tone of the Heat set, if you think about Jimmy Butler and the way he carries himself, and he you know expects his teammates to carry themselves. You're gonna have to fight 48 minutes if you want to win a basketball game against the Heat. Yeah. And if the Celtics aren't willing to do that, they're gonna lose really quickly. And that's why I think they they should have taken a page out of the Bucks book because the Bucks didn't put up that forty eight minute fight. They just 
didn't. And so you now, over and, died, and you the, can't do that. But that's why in the second, in, in the first game, it went into overtime and the Celtics were, they were going toe to toe. Then they go into the first half of game two and they are, they're kicking the crap out of the heat in the first half. Then the heat switched to zone, which the heat played zone more than any team in the league during the regular season did not play any at all in the playoffs until the second half. The Celtics looked lost. They were, they just could not get anything done. And so they're going to need to have a solution for that. I think Brad Stevens is probably the most important in making that adjustment. But that being said, you need to attack that zone. Zone is easy to break down with their personnel. On an NBA team, too. Yes, exactly. With their shooters and the way they can line up around a 2-3 zone, they can absolutely exploit Take this. That, yeah. And so uh, the fact that they looked confused and just absolutely lost was I think uh, an issue. I think it has to do with, and I, I won't try to reiterate what you guys were saying, but I think that has to do with something you said which was they're young they've they've only been there a few times if that and i think the heat you're just they're encountering a team that is just firing all cylinders at the exact right time we were young but they're it's reminding me of the 2004 pistons a little bit where no one on that team besides probably chauncey i mean ben wallace was a defensive player of the year but it's just a bunch of dogs who are working well together and just peaking at the right time they're really tough and for a young team who has a bunch of personalities and a lot of people who can do a lot of great things when they have the ball. I think you encounter a team that's just balanced and not playing for one single person and kicking the crap out of you with their zone defense. I just think it's tough to, to beat this year. I, I think also for the Celtics, you need an, watching them throughout the postseason. I actually gained a lot of respect for them, which I didn't previously have. I always thought they were okay, but I think the Celtics don't need to do much. They need to add a big man of some substance because I don't, if, if you can manage it, do not touch Brown and Tatum and just let them grow. And I think you're going to wind up having the stars. You don't need to bring in, you don't need to outsource stars at this point. You'll have them. It's just not now. And I think they're encountering a team that is just rocking right now. And that's what's happening. All right. So let's look at this series. Lastly, can I just say, go for it. Jalen Brown has been really impressive to me. Yeah. This postseason, I think, I always thought of him as like a 2-3 wing where he just kind of shoots and his handle was okay. But he's been doing a lot of great things like pulling down hard rebounds and uh, just like making making impressive plays that I wouldn't really expect from him. So I wanted to get I wanted to talk about that a little bit. But yeah. we can move to the Western Conference. I was going to say, before we get there, though, let's it's 2-0 right now, heat up on the Celtics. Uh, How do you think this ends? Who do you think goes to the finals? Luke? I mean, I really want the Celtics to go to the finals just because I don't think that he – even with their bulldog mentality, will pose any type of threat to the Lakers. The Lakers will 100% go toe and nail seven games with this Heat team. You think LeBron's going to lose? No. You think LeBron? No. And AD is the same type of way. AD will 100% get in there and fight Bam for every rebound. Yeah. So, like, the, the Lakers have a gritty team. The Heat have a gritty team. I would prefer to see the Celtics. All right. I want it to be the Celtics, so I'm going to say Celtics in seven. Wow, okay. Michael? I think I already said, I think it's going to be the Heat in five, which is so sad, but I just think it's it's not the Celtics' time yet. I think unless Jason Tatum can have like a prolific legacy-building experience right now and, and bring them to the finals, but I think it'll be the Heat. I think it's Heat in seven. Uh, I just think like they're up 2-0. The Celtics, I, again, I do think they bounce back, but I think... I hope they, it's Heat in seven for my viewership, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of why I'm saying seven. I, I, my gut is telling me Heat in six. Uh, but, you know, whatever. I want a little extra basketball, so hopefully it goes seven. 
let's Luke, since you're apparently now saying the Lakers are a lock to go to the finals here, let's switch to the Western Conference Finals, the first game tonight between the Lakers, Lakers and five. the Nuggets. Lakers in five. All right, so you're just already going out heat check with your, your take on who wins this series, I, but okay. I really don't. Like, I think Murray and Jokic have been incredible. They've been unbelievable. They're, they've unbelievable. been unbelievable. The Clippers series was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I also want to. I want to. I want to talk about the fact that Jokic in that final game seven had more rebounds than he did points. He also had like twelve or thirteen assists. Yeah, and three blocks. He only scored like sixteen points. Sixteen points, like twenty-two rebounds, and I think thirteen assists. Yeah, something like that, right? But he was still the most impactful player on on the court. And Murray like went for scoring. 40. That's what I mean. But like, it's it's very important to realize that. You don't need to score points to be the most impact, impactful player in a game. Yeah, I think it's very important to recognize that. I think it's very important for people to understand that. I'm someone who preaches like this team mentality where you can impact the game just by playing defense or just by standing on the court. You don't have to score. You don't have to do anything. You just have to play your role. And Jokic does that so perfectly, and he's been doing it so great, especially against the Clippers. This team is just firing on all cylinders because they all understand their role. And they all played their roles perfectly. So, so I think there's two things to factor in looking at the, the Lakers and the Nuggets. And I'm going to look at it through the lens of the Nuggets. One, two back-to-back seven-game series that are very hard, hard fought is exhausting. The Lakers have played four less games than them. And realistically, some of those games were not close. So they are well-rested. They're experienced, whereas the Nuggets really aren't. And I, I think that just that drain on the Nuggets as a whole is going to be a factor should they need to beat the Lakers in an extended series. Two is that the Lakers are realistically and I think presumably going to return to their bigger lineup where they have JaVale and Dwight playing bigger minutes than they didn't have against the Rockets um, in order to account for Jokic. And I think that their combination of whoever they can throw at Jokic severely is more drastically able to contain him compared to what the Clippers were able to do. I think they have the personnel for it where you can put on Anthony Davis, JaVale, Dwight, um, even Kuzma if you had to and you wanted to go small because he's blowing by the other guys. Like you could you could accommodate there. You could put LeBron on him if you had to. Like they have so many different looks they could try to use to to thwart him. I definitely don't think you double team him, which I think we all saw in game seven there. It's a mistake. But I think it's going to come down to what Murray can do. And while I agree with you, Jokic is the most impactful, and I think that is where the Lakers have to turn their attention, it's going to be a question of how much Murray can exploit these perimeter defenders for the Lakers. Yeah, I mean, I think one need only look at the first round matchup for the Nuggets and see that when you have the bigs to take on Jokic, Gobert, I don't have the numbers in front of me for Jokic, but he wasn't the focal point of that series. It was Murray. It was Murray. Murray lifted them out of that series, but when there's a good big on Jokic, a physical one and also a quicker one, it makes it a little more interesting to see how the Nuggets respond to that. And I think obviously the Lakers, like you said, have the weapons for that. I just, um, I mean, I, I honestly, I think the Lakers are going to trap Murray up top. And because they're playing two bigs on the court at any given time with AD, Dwight, and JaVale, they'll just rotate. <laughs> so yeah. The, uh, the Clippers were getting killed because they were getting mashed up on a Montrez Harold Lou Williams pick and roll. Neither of them are going to guard Jokic. Neither of them are going to guard Murray. Right. So, and they got torched. The, the Lakers aren't going to have that problem. And No, they're not. If you just take the ball out of Murray's hands 
and then make it difficult for Jokic to get his shots. I think it'll. And I also think if you, know, you if you take this same outlook and look at how the Nuggets match up with the Lakers when the Lakers are on offense, not good. I presume that what you're going to do is you're going to stick Jokic or Millsap on Anthony Davis uh, using that starting lineup. Probably one of them. I'd imagine maybe you go Millsap because he's a little quicker. But then you're going to put who on LeBron? Jeremy Grant. It's not the worst defender. Or you, Jeremy Grant guarded Kawhi. Like, right, exactly. That's why I think, like, as much as I'm giving the Lakers credit here for being able to shut down the Nuggets, the Nuggets could conceivably contain these two. Not that there is a containing these two, but I don't think they're going to go for 50 in any of these games or even 45. 40. They're going to have to, though. I think it's you're going to see a, like a very big team contribution. I think LeBron and AD will probably score somewhere between 50 to 70 points for the Lakers combined. Right. So the, the way you get a couple from here and there. The way I see it is that to add to the point that you made that they're well rested, LeBron had a couple dominoes just fall for him that are so crucial. The two teams that he thought he was going to have to play, if he got to, they're gone. He was thought he was going to have to play Battle LA. Like, thank God, he must be so thrilled that he's not playing them. And then if if he gets past the Nuggets, he's not playing the Greek Freak. Like that, everything is working out for him. Which leads me to say this: to your point about him not being able to, or he and AD not putting up crazy numbers, I think he has to channel twenty eighteen playoff LeBron and just go off. It does not matter. He needs to. He, it doesn't I'm matter if he goes off, but eight games. If you, if he's not going to sweep both series, but eight. If he can just put it together for like ten games, I also can't believe I'm saying this. Rondo coming back is huge. incredibly huge for the Lakers because what they Rondo. looked like, what they looked like in the first round. If Damon gotten hurt, that's not, not that they would have lost. It's a different series. I don't think they go out like that. Rondo coming back in the second round, just what he was able to do defensively against the small ball Rockets, like it made up for their perimeter woes. Uh, and also, when LeBron leaves the court, he can facilitate the ball better than anyone else. At the, yeah, anyone else the Lakers had. So it is. It's big. And well, like, yeah, he's washed and it's Rondo, but like, it's still big. Like, it is a big upgrade from what they did have going out there for sure. I mean, he, he averaged like fifteen five, and then like a steal and a block. Yeah, I mean, he was rusty when he round. came back. He played really well. Yeah, exactly. I will say though, besides the fact that they do have LeBron and Anthony Davis is a beast too. I find that the Lakers, in my opinion, are worse than the Clippers, interestingly enough. So in terms of their their depth, I think. Depth-wise, 100%. So, so that's what's so strange and why I think if they're not careful, the Nuggets could punch them in the nose tonight and win, and win game one, and they're in 100%. it. So if I were the Lakers, I hope they are yeah, but prepared to really take this seriously is the point. I think – I I, I do – I think that it's possible. Like, I think the Nuggets have shown that they are not scared of anyone. Like, they really are not, and they're going to come at you no matter what. And they they do have some they have some dogs in that team. All things considered, I, I don't so, see them winning the series. Like, I okay. I do. I so think what, this is going to. You think the series will be? I think the series is Lakers in six, only because like I I think it's going to go Lakers win the first game, the Nuggets win the next two, then just LeBron takes over. He's like, my back's against the wall. I'm not losing. And they win at six. Um, that I mean, when LeBron's this close to the finals, he's not going to lose. I doubt it. And, and maybe we're just spoiled because every time we've seen him play in the playoffs, he's in the last in the last decade, he's gone. No, and I think 
call me crazy. And I know we're at the end of the pod, so I don't want to stir the pot too much. Stir the pod. But I think this is his last ring if he gets it. I don't th- I don't see it. They could they're gonna try to run some Lakers team back next year, but think about how much better the West gets next year. I won't go down the rabbit hole, but he's gotta win. I think this is the last this is his last chance for a ring. I don't know about that. Unless but... he joins a contender when Bronny's in the league. But <laughs> The only, the only, all right. So let's, let's go around here just because, yeah, as you said, we should probably wrap this up, but let's get some closing thoughts on this series or otherwise. Luke, so you said it's going to be Lakers in five. Yeah. It's going to be a terrible game one today. I think the Nuggets are tired and they're not going to play well. I think the Lakers have been losing their first games. And I think it's going to be like a really slow, a lot of fouling. You're but, right. I think it's gonna and be the nugget, and the Nuggets are gonna grind one out for like a 104 97. <laughs> oh, so and the Lakers are gonna next four are Lakers, Lakers in five. Yeah, wow. I mean they have they haven't won game one of either series so far, so maybe. I mean, so you're giving, so you're giving the Lakers the gentleman sweep. I think the Lakers are gonna win in six, and I think the series will be tied two to two. All right, that's um, fair. I think at some point it will be tied two to two, and it's gonna be like, is LeBron done? Like. Are the Nuggets like blah blah blah, and then he's gonna win? I can, I can see Skip Bayless already. LeBron, oh, God. I, yeah. I so can't I think that, I think this series there's definitely LeBron's washed potential, but they're gonna rise to the occasion. I think we're gonna see a, a few huge games out of Davis, Lakers and six. So um, yeah, I agree, Lakers and six. The one thing I will say, and I kept the receipts. You guys left Jokic out of your top ten players in the NBA. I want apologies now. He's proving he's a top 10 player in the NBA. If this run has not shown that, I don't know what does. But you included Paul George. You included Embiid in your top 10. I don't want to hear it. He's a top 10 player. Something Embiid. Put Embiid on this Nuggets team. And they're worse. They're worse. They're worse. They are worse just because Jokic works so well. But I think if if Embiid had the same type of supporting cast that works so perfectly with his play style like Jokic does – I think Embiid would be doing the same exact thing. That's, that's a fair point. Sounds like a front That's office. a fair point. But I just, I'm saying, I kept the receipts, guys. You, neither of you put him in the top hey. 10. And he's playing like, I I, honestly, like an all-time center at this point. If he can keep this up his whole career, it's I think, unbelievable. I think I said that. He'll, he'll be in my top 10 next year. I'm the color commentary guy on the podcast. I, my takes are going to be wrong most of the time. I mean, so are mine, but who cares? Um I don't think any of us are that smart. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but all right. So now that we've kind of forecasted our fi- our conference finals previews here, looked at everything that's happened in the playoffs to date, um, want to thank everyone for, for joining us here for the latest episode of the Hoop Troop podcast. Um, we look forward to, to having you guys join us again next time uh, when I guess we'll what will we discuss now that I think about it, but whatever the draft, the champion, probably. Yeah. The champion, maybe we'll do a little finals preview for feeling it. Otherwise, Jimmy, Butler, Jimmy Butler's the go. I can't believe he beat LeBron. Yeah. yeah see, you might be hearing that. I doubt it. Walk through of my unboxing of my new Jimmy Butler Jersey. that I'm gonna have. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Fair. Uh, but all right. So thanks everyone for joining and hope to have you with us next time.